Hey, welcome to The Weekly, where we connect what happened on the weekend with your real life lived Monday through Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas, with my good friend, Jay Ewing. How's it going, Thomas? It's warmer. Happy Tuesday. Yeah, it was minus a thousand degrees yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It's like one of the first times I actually put my faucet dripping all night. Did you? Yeah. Mine, mine drips all the time, so I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hey, we got a special guest today on the weekly. He's back. Welcome back, John Boyle. Thanks, Jay. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I didn't know you guys had a live band that opened the weekly every week. That's yep. pretty awesome. They're not as cool as the Roots, but they'll work. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. They're cheaper. All right, John, one of the things I'm jealous of is your radio voice. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so entertaining. <laughs> as we do this podcast, people are going to fall in love with your voice. Yeah. And then question if I've hit puberty or you know, <laughs> yeah. lots of different You're going to be in charge of this podcast next week. <laughs> but why do you have such a good radio voice? Where have you learned to be a broadcaster? At the number one university in the nation. Absolutely. The University of Colorado mm. in Boulder. It's an Ivy League school. Yeah. It it's has better, a- really, than it's kind of in a class by itself, I think. Hey, let's turn the corner here. Let's talk about Calvary know, News. Do you know some of the important graduates of the journalism school at the University of I think Colorado? we should take a couple moments and just highlight them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like Chris Fowler, yeah. for example. He did? Oh, yeah. Wow. He's a buff. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. anyway. So you've been to broadcast journalism school? I do have a degree okay. in broadcast journalism. Yes. So I've watched a YouTube video on podcasting. Yeah. Do you think that's sort of the same thing? <laughs> yes. That, yeah, that's basically what I did. Okay. Yeah. Do you that's ever good. listen to the weekly and you're like, why did they do that? No, I think you guys are doing a really, really good job. Thanks. I Thank appreciate you. that. Yeah, man. We'll yeah, pay you later. It means a lot. <laughs> we'll okay. pay you. Hey, Jay, what's coming I up? Hear, yeah, yeah, I hear yeah. it's very, very popular. <laughs> Amongst some. <laughs> okay. There's, there's a big audience. Hey, John, I'm about to mute you, man. <laughs> Let's get to Calvary News. Coming up at Calvary, it's going to be a great... Uh, great spring. <laughs> Gosh, I've lost my train of thought. It's a great spring here at Calvary. Go to calvarybible.com slash events where you can check out all the happenings that are here at Calvary on all three campuses, Boulder, Erie, and Thornton. One of the, or actually a few of the highlights are women's retreat is coming up. The middle school retreat is coming up. And also if you're new to Calvary, starting point happens this weekend on all three campuses. So you want to go to calvarybible.com slash events and check out what is happening at Calvary. What else is happening in March, Pastor Thomas? All right. So we have a phased regathering that we've started back in January. That's safe and simple. Safe and simple. Yeah, that's right. So we've kind of been rolling in ministries uh, one at a time. So we're going to do a little bit of expansion with our kids and do kinder through, we're going to add kinder in first to our birth through pre-K. And then we're also going to be opening up a portion of the Calvary Cafe, Lord willing, the most coffee. Imp- the most important yeah, part. Yeah, coffee. Well, mm. or donuts or coffee yeah. are more important. I would say coffee. Keeps me awake during your sermon. That's true. But a donut gives me purpose of getting out of bed. <laughs> That's very true, too. Where, If you could get donuts from anywhere, where would you get a donut from? Lamar's. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to beat Lamar's. Lamar's. I actually, in Amarillo, Texas, where I'm from, there's a donut stop. That's what it's called. And they have a cherry glazed donut, which is divine. Mm. So that's another place I would go get a donut. Yeah. John, VG Donuts? Yeah, totally. You'd go to San Diego. I would go to Cardiff-by-the-Sea. What's there? So um, my brother-in-law's family 
owns this very famous uh, bakery in Cardiff that's called BG. And basically, like, all the surfers go surf at State Beach at Cardiff, and then they go to BG's afterwards and grab a donut, and it's, like, old school, delicious. Oh, man. That's really cool. Yeah, I don't eat a lot of donuts, but when I do, (laughs) it's a VG donut. That's awesome. That sounds like a commercial I've heard. Mm. Yeah, totally. Mm. Hey, so we got John in the house, and he is Boulder Campus Executive Pastor. Mm. Did I get that title right? Or Executive Pastor of the Boulder Campus. It probably is a little better. I don't really think it matters. Jay. Okay. But um, we did ordination <laughs> together years ago uh-huh. where we spent almost two years together going over the doctrine of the EFCA, the denomination that Calvary is affiliated with. Mm-hmm. And it was a joy to spend two years with you two. Yeah, it was really off, fun. Looking at scripture, studying, pondering, praying, writing. Because every time we would turn something into John and then he would give us his we like, we've got to rewrite ours. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should probably write this in English. Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> I think I need more commas. That was periods. a good season. Yeah. That, you know, it's like, um, that's why it's important to follow Jesus together. You know, it's better to do it with good friends. Yeah, it's really good. I, I will always remember that season of yeah. ministry together because that was really fun. But you've also been on sabbatical. Calvary is a generous church and uh, provides opportunities for those who are pastors at Calvary to get away in a season Mm -hmm. after many years of ministry. So explain what you did and where you went and what you learned. Yeah, I was on sabbatical from uh, October through uh, the first couple weeks in January. I came back January 11th. Uh, It was a really wonderful time for me and Lindsay and our three kids and our puppy and um, you know, it was unique because part of what I got to do was help with uh, online kindergarten, mm. which was not the highlight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm not cut out for kindergarten. Um, but we we had a really, really great time together. That's really cool. Now, did you do anything fun? I know it's an interesting year to do something yeah. like that, but... Did you get out of town? Did you get away? Yeah, we we got to do a lot of fun things. One of my most favorite memories, um, I really wanted to take my family to the Grand Canyon. So we gassed up the station wagon and put the three (laughs) kids in there and the dog and, you know, my sort of uh, father mentor is Clark W. Griswold. So (laughs) I wanted to take my kids on a road trip. So we went to the Grand Canyon and we arrived there on uh, Halloween, and there was a full moon. In fact, it was a blue moon, which I learned means, the I think, the second full moon in a month. And we pulled up to the Grand Canyon. There was nobody there, and we walked out onto the southern rim of the Grand Canyon as the full moon was rising over the north rim. And I was the only member of my family that had ever been to the Grand Canyon, and it was something I really wanted to take them and take them to and show them. It's the kind of place, I mean, if you haven't been there, you don't understand how amazing it is. And collectively, as we walked out onto the rim and saw the moon rise and see the expanse of the Grand Canyon, everybody in my family had their breath taken away. And uh, all at once was like, whoa. So that, that was a really special moment for me. That and is really I think special. for our family, too, it was fun. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. I love yeah. that story. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, man. So uh, we're talking about also something that's happening this week in the church calendar. Ash Wednesday is tomorrow. T- 
Thomas, sort of explain what Ash Wednesday is and what we could do with it in our Christian life. Yeah, so if you're part of an evangelical church like Calvary or maybe a, a mainstream Protestant church, you probably have never participated in Ash Wednesday. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know what it is, it's really part of something um, that the high church does. If you think about two kind of... Um, streams of Christianity. There's the high church and considered a low church. And the high church follows a church calendar and it structures its teachings and its rhythms of the church around the birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, which is actually really cool. If you think about it, I mean, we all form our calendar around something and most of us form our calendar around uh, our own birthday, uh, our vacation around spring break or the summer, uh, our favorite holiday, and probably you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas. So we all are formed by our calendar or we structure um, our, our year around it. And so this is just a worthy thing. It's not like a quote-unquote Catholic thing. It's not a, a, a traditional thing that we should avoid. It's something that we could actually glean a lot of wisdom from where we take a, take a section of time from this coming Wednesday until Easter. It's 40 days between Wednesday and Easter. So you're like, wait a minute, I'm actually counting the days. It's 40, I think it's 46 is because you don't count the Sundays right. in between because Sundays are already the Lord's Day. Mm. So you take the 40 days from Wednesday plus the weekends and you get to Easter. And it's a time that you know Christians for centuries have devoted to introspection. It's time to um, go without something or add something, a practice. Maybe you read a certain book um, or you eliminate something from your life and you're doing a reflection. And it's a reflection on your own immortality, on or your mortality, and the, what the work of Jesus Christ has been, um, where you're at with the Lord, are there things that have creeped up in your life that you should address, and then you're, you're ready and you're prepared for Good Friday and then for Easter. So, Jay, I know you've participated in kind of the, the Lent season. Um, what are some things that you're planning on this year? Yeah, there's n- nothing really s- special about just saying you're doing it except that you're just intention of purposeful living, purposeful adding and subtracting, right? And I see it as a reset to my Christian life of what are some things that I've allowed to take root in my heart and my life that Mm -hmm. I want to pause or get rid of? What are things that I want to add in my life, in my Christian walk with the Lord that I want to add? And so um, it's just a great season for that, sort of a reset of 40 days. Um, Some years, you know, are simple things like I'm going to stop looking at social media for 40 days, stop reading the news, some of those things. Um, one year I did something a little more extreme. I'm from Texas, so I thought I would do uh, no meat for 40 days. And um, that was really challenging. And when those moments of like, okay, I have to explain this to my friends or I have to avoid this situation um, were meant for the Lord. And so you could do things like that. Some people pick up Bible reading plans for this season that it might be a little different. Um, some people pause and read a, a, a prayer out of our favorite book, you know, and, um, what's your the, favorite book? Well, one of my favorite books is the prayer book that we've talked about on this podcast, which is the Psalms. Oh, sorry. You're pointing to me. Yeah. What is our, our Puritan prayers? Oh, the Puritan prayers. Yeah. What is that one? I know. Why do we just forget it? Yeah. Why do we just forget it? Anyway, What's your favorite. It is my favorite. It's Value of Vision. Thank yes, you. Thank you. I, I can see the cover. You're welcome. And yeah. I can't read the title, but Value Sorry, of Vision. I didn't, I didn't know that was a trick question. I don't know. No, but, um, you know, maybe doing something like that 
So it's just a moment for you to pause today, especially Ash Wednesday, and think about what do you need to add or subtract in your life to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. Yeah, and, I would encourage anyone who has just, I mean, just the um, desire to connect with the Lord in this season, that you would just take the next 40 days, which is a representation of, you know, 40, days, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 days of Jesus and temptation, and just get ready to prepare yourself for Easter and maybe evaluate. Is there something I should take away or something I should add? One thing I might just throw out there right now is a book that we've all read. You read on sabbatical. You've podcasted about it. Oh, yeah. It's Gentle on what you're reading podcast yeah. on the weekly. Yeah. So if you, if you are looking for a book to read that gets you focused on Christ, Gentle and Lowly, and even grab the podcast that Jay did with Melissa of unpacking some of that would be a really good podcast to listen to. Yeah, that's a really good suggestion for those who maybe are gently getting into this season of Lent. One thing we've done as a family, uh, especially when our kids were younger, is we would read together um, one of the stories from the Jesus Storybook Bible every day during Lent leading up to Easter. And that was a cool way as a family to have a time together to prepare our hearts yeah. when Easter was coming. I'll drop that in the show notes too. I'll drop those two books in the Value Vision so that you maybe have some resources for your family, for your own personal life uh, that might be helpful for the season. Okay, so we, we have John here today because he preached in Boulder. Thomas preached in Erie, and Thomas, you were online too as well. And so um, you were over in John 14. We were talking about one of the most famous statements Jesus ever made. Uh, I know we say that a lot mm. as pastors, but this is one of those big ones. And so uh, John, sort of walk us through what we were talking about this last Sunday and what you felt like really stuck out to you in your own life. Yeah. So John fourteen six, Jesus answers a question and says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's an amazing statement because you could give your life to unpacking those three words, way, truth, and life, and how Jesus fulfills each of them. Like what it means that he makes a way for us that we can't make on our own. Um, how he is like truth in a person that has come from heaven to the earth and how he gives life in an effective way that no one else can grant life. But there's also a beautiful simplicity in that statement that, um, that people can understand when Jesus says, I am the way and no one comes to the father except through me. You don't need some sort of really sophisticated education. You don't need some special interpretation. You can just take Jesus at his word that he is the way to his father's house, that no one comes to the father except through him. And everybody can understand that. And I love that about Jesus, that he can, he can communicate to us in a way that everybody can understand, but then has deep, rich, layered meaning that can be studied for a lifetime. Yeah, I think the context of this this story is really interesting because Jesus is moving from his public to his private life. Would you see that? How do you see that play out in this text? Yeah, well, it's a response to the uh, what he did, the what we looked at the previous week when he raised Lazarus from the dead, and just this ongoing bubbling tension between he and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And it says in John eleven fifty three that 
you know, the Jews, the religious leaders began making plans to arrest Jesus and put him to death. And then Jesus no longer went about publicly, but had to kind of go underground. And so here he is with his closest, most devoted followers in the, in the upper room for the last supper together. And there's so much that's swirling outside of that room. And then there's all sorts of stuff that's going on around the table that is, you know, makes it an intense moment. Yeah. On the video message for the online service, Thomas, you mentioned a lot of that, of what happens in John 13 and how Jesus is answering a lot of their questions and the, the tension of being very troubled as followers of Jesus. Yeah, we're trying to connect, you know, this text, what Jesus is saying, I'm way truth in life, to build up their confidence to trust Jesus in the midst of probably one of their most troubling 24, 72 hours that mm-hmm. they're going to go through. Yeah. And Jesus is just giving them saying, hey, listen, guys, I got this. Like, I know that the world is swirling, as you're saying, John. Um, I see that people are trying to kill me. I see that in John 13, that someone here is going to betray me. I see that you, Peter, one of the closest three, you're going to deny me. And I'm going to go to a place that none of you can follow me. And that just troubles their hearts. And he says, okay, but, but in all of that, I am the way, truth, and life. Like, have faith in me, right? So he just opens up John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I think it's just that umbrella that you want to hear from the Lord in troubling times. I mean, we're in some troubling times mm-hmm. of, it's okay. I got this. I, I'm big enough to hold you together. Even though it feels like the world's falling apart. Yeah. Here's an interesting, important idea in this text is he goes to prepare a place for us. John, would you see the connection of that with Jesus fulfilling it later on as we keep reading the story of Christ? Yeah. So it, if you read it at first, uh, you know, verse two, it says, In my father's house are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. So it's like, uh, you know, is Jesus in heaven right now doing some light construction or some interior decorating? Yeah, it's drywall day or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like he's got to get this place ready before we arrive. And, you know, it's the it's the beautiful picture that his going uh, to the cross and his suffering and his death and then his resurrection is the preparation that we need. That he and he alone can prepare a place for us. He and he alone can go and do what needs to be accomplished so that we might live forever with him. And that, that that's just such a beautiful picture. Yeah. It's such a different picture than I think many people, even in the Christian world, think about as their final destination. That we often think about heaven being, as we talked about on Sunday and online, like my mansion, my real estate, mm. my treasures, my possessions, right? And we talk about even like the the broader world vision of final destinations of just if you subscribe to ascribe to being an atheist and you believe in that faith system, then you just end up being decaying into nothing. Mm-hmm. Or certain faith systems of you're dissolving into nothingness or, or perpetual recycling yeah. of coming back and forth. And for the Christian, the what what's so striking is that the father owns a home mm-hmm. and you're welcomed into a home. And you had some good insights on Boulder that I didn't share in Erie Online about the home. Yeah. The first century idea of home is so different than our 21st century idea of home. So for us, like we grow up in our childhood home, 
And then when we're old enough, we move out into an apartment home. And then we save up enough money so that we can buy a starter home. And then we fix it up and fill it up and then ladder up to our forever home. And we live in that home forever or until we decide to downsize. And then we move to a patio home. And then we're in, you know, and the patio home's great because someone else mows the lawn and, you know, shovels the sidewalk for you and you don't have to do as much work. And you live there until your kids decide you can't live on your own anymore <laughs> and they put you in a home. <laughs> so, like, we, we're just thinking about all these different homes. And home for us is kind of transient. Yeah. Like, we want to ladder up to the next bigger, better thing. But in the first century, the home you were born in was the home you were going to probably die in. And home meant more than just a, a building. Like this was the place where your people lived. Mm -hmm. And when it was time in the first century for you to live on your own, you didn't go buy a starter home. Right. Like your, your family would build onto their home so that you and your spouse could live with them. And you, you raised your kids together and everybody's there and you're sharing meals together and it was your community. And so the idea in the first century of a home is that it's permanent and that's a beautiful picture of heaven. Like we're not going to a hotel and sort of waiting, you know, until you go to the next thing. It's like, no, this is the permanent place where God dwells. Heaven is forever. So, you know, that whole idea of like, oh, Jesus is up making heaven ready for you. Like heaven's always existed. There's always been a place for God's people and there always will be a forever home for us to step into. What great comfort to think about it in that way of yeah. how permanent it is and what it means for the life of the believer who chooses and to who accepts the invitation to come home. Yeah. And that you're a part of a family, you know, the other thing that's cool in the new Testament, like a uh, home is one picture of heaven, but the new Testament talks about heaven in a lot of different ways. Like it talks about it like a country, like it's enormous and there's just so much space there. Like this says, you know, there's many rooms Heaven's described as like a city, like so many people can live there and it's densely populated and there's so much happening there. Heaven's described as a kingdom, like there's, there's a sovereign leader, a king who is in charge and it's structured and ordered and you're protected and cared for. Jesus describes heaven as paradise. Like it just fills your soul with a satisfaction that nothing else will and I just love hearing Jesus talk about heaven because when stuff is really tough, sometimes like that's what we need is let's just hear about what it's going to be like someday when we're with Jesus. Yeah. And all of these I am statements, it really does remove this backstop that I think so many people have on their life, which is I was born and I'm going to die and death is a backstop. And so I got to get everything that I can possibly have here and now. And when you remove that backstop because you know Jesus is the way and the truth and life, like forever life, real fullness of joy as you're describing heaven to eternity, mm. it removes this backstop. And so I'm allowed being myself to say, you know what, I, I can let people um, off the hook a little bit easier here. Like I don't have to hold everybody accountable um, for the ways they've hurt me or offended me. I can forgive them more easily because I know ultimately we're all going to be reconciled with one another. I'm able to be generous with the things that I have and live with less now because that's okay. There's not a backstop on the finished life that I'm trying to live. It's 
only a, a departure, a trans, transition into mm. this home of the fathers or this paradise or city as you're talking about. Mm. And that's, that's where the, the freedom comes from, I think, for Jesus to come into our life and build eternal life beginning now. Right. That extends into forever that I'm not just waiting for. Like I get to live that future reality now. Yeah. And if you don't want to spend your time with the Father now, why would you think you would want to or would spend your time with the Father forever? That's a really good question. Thank you, yeah. Jay. I, I tend to ask very good questions. <laughs> no, I'm just like, that's a very genuine like pastoral invitation like to sell everything and follow him. Yeah. I think that's where when people look at this exclusive statement and say, gosh, why does Jesus have to be the only way to heaven? It's like, well, you're still thinking about heaven as your place, your paradise, your possessions, your treasures, you know, mm. without viewing that heaven is the relationship with the Father. You know, even here I got Paul writing to his mentee, Timothy, and he's talking about the end of his life. And just, just notice the relational pieces here where he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Like, not the end, but my departure. So he's going somewhere, which is to be with the Father. Mm. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crowns of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved or longed for his appearing. Like, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for the relationship that heaven provides, Mm. not for... That just get out of this place. I'm looking for, I want to be united fully, presently, to see clearly my Lord and Savior in his home. Yeah, I keep thinking of 2 Corinthians 5, 1 and 2. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God that goes back to sort of what heaven is like. Mm -hmm. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in the tent we groan. And, you know, this year has shown us what it is to groan. Yeah. Sometimes we're insulated in our American lives so that we don't groan very much, but we groan longing to put on a heavenly dwelling. And it goes back to that question. If you want, why would you want to spend eternity with God later if you don't want to spend eternity with God now? Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's just a great reminder from Paul in both instances of what it is that we're looking forward to. Yeah, this is Jesus' statement, right? So to the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Like they're, It's not that they are spun up about nothing. Right. They're spun up because they have real troubles in their yeah. life. And Jesus is saying, okay, let me give you a bigger, broader picture that's outside of our current circumstances. I am the way, truth, and the life that prepares a place for you that you for all of eternity will dwell in the Father's home. And I think that's just what you know, Paul picks up on, Romans 8, right? So I don't consider these present troubles, present sufferings, worthy to be compared with future glory, father, homes, dwelling places with what Jesus has prepared, robust, industrious cities and work and um, just a future that we look forward to. And mm-hmm. so it just helps build that confidence, that faith in who he is, that I can go through my present troubles because it gives me a, a bigger, a broader picture of where this whole thing's going. Yeah, for sure. I thought it was really interesting sort of moving the needle here in the conversation about how I never placed that statement inside the Last Supper and that last time they would be all together before he would come again. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just amazing to me to think about how much trouble they would feel and how much trouble they 
Jesus knew was coming. You know yeah. what I mean? And I never had put it in that context. So I was really appreciative of you pointing that out within the text. Yeah, it's it's important, obviously, to understand the context. And you got to be careful to not just drop these statements and then infer things just when they're on their own. But like, yeah, what was happening? Why is Jesus saying this? And how how does it bring hope to people who are struggling? All right, so on that point, all of these statements are in a broader context, both in the text itself and then connected to the larger story of his, of his story throughout um, the Old and New Testament. We're going to be looking at the last I am statement this week, John 15, where he says, I am the true vine. If you want to prepare your hearts and your minds, some questions, um, read through John 15, specifically the first 19 verses or so. And then maybe if you got some extra time, read Isaiah chapter 5 and see if you can make a connection of what Jesus is connecting for his hearers. Mm. Sounds great, man. Hey, Calvary, thanks for listening this week. John, thanks for being in that chair. Thanks for having me. It's really good to have you back, man. I miss you. I'm glad to be back. And uh, looking forward to all the great things God's doing here at Calvary and what he's preparing us in 2021. Thanks for tuning in. We look forward to hearing from you at the weekly at calvarybible.com. Um, that's the email address there. You can shoot us an email if you have questions, concerns, or opinions about Thomas's voice. Talk to you soon, Calvary.